superstars. Welcome to the Up Your Creative Genius podcast, where you will gain insight and tips to stomp on the accelerator and blast off to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Patty Dobrovolsky, and if this is your first time tuning in, then strap in because this is Serious Rocket Fuel. Each week, I interview fellow creative geniuses to help you learn how easy it is to up your creative genius in any part of your life. Hey, everybody, it's Patty Dobrovolsky with Up Your Creative Genius. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I just want to say my most favorite person in the world today is on the podcast, Scott Ward. And Scott Ward, if you don't know him, he's an amazing visual artist who became an accidental executive director for the Fairhaven Business Association. It's the not really the business association, but the Fairhaven you know, association, association for where he lives. But he is amazing. He's been an actor. He's created clothing. He's done everything possible, interior design. Like if you look out in the world (laughs) at things, you'll see Scott Ward imprinted on most of them. And he has a beautiful collection of artwork um, that has really just kept its its beauty over time. I was going to say, it's just so iconic, the stuff that you draw. I have a number of them in my home, I will say. And one of them he gave to us for our wedding, which is just so incredible. So I thank you, Scott, for being here. Hey, by the way, I didn't mention this, but he also is a musician and singer. Really incredible. Okay. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hi, Patty. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you too. And so we haven't seen each other in a long time because of COVID. It's kind of right. a drag. Kinda I know, but, but just in another month, I'm going to be standing, hopefully, yeah. cross your fingers, uh, you know, side by side with you. Yeah. That would be so incredible. So, Scott, tell people about you. How did you become an artist? And then how did you end up working as the executive director in Fairhaven? So get us in the trajectory of how you, from the beginning of time, bring us to the present moment. Yeah, it's not the life I ever imagined. You know, I grew up as the artistic kid. That's what I was recognized as. Everybody saw me as the artistic kid. And fortunately, I had a couple of really fantastic teachers in junior high and high school who globbed onto me and said, we're going to nurture you as much as we can. And then, you know, after high school, kind of pushed me on my way. And then, you know, I went to school and studied fine art and realized I could never make it as a fine artist. I have to, you know, get jobs that pay me. And so I was doing all that design work that you mentioned. I was doing interior design and clothing design and graphic design. And um, You had a whole line of cards at one point. Yeah. I worked for a card company and was drawing, making little goofy cards. And then in 1994, actually, Patty, you sent me The Artist Way, the book by Julia Cameron. And it was, it had just come out and At the same time, another friend of mine in Seattle found the book and recommended it. And I thought, I should maybe pay attention to this. And so, you know, over the next few years, I not only studied that book and went through it, but started leading and facilitating groups to get other people to go through that book. And it's a fantastic process. You know, it's set up to be this and discover your creativity. Really, it's a whole life purpose kind of process. And so in that, I realized, wait a second, I'm being a little hypocritical in that I'm encouraging all these other people to be artists in the world. And I'm just avoiding it by being a designer, which was not a bad thing. It just wasn't completely who I was supposed to be. And so, you know, I jumped into being a full-time artist like right away. And within 
six months, I had my first show at this little restaurant in Seattle and sold a few pieces there. And then six months later, I had my very first one-person show in this gallery in Pioneer Square in Seattle, where all the yeah, artists, really, uh, really big deal, really big deal. And you know, the amazing thing that happened there was I sold every single piece in that show. Oh my and, god! You know, yeah, and so you know, and it had to have started as an like a full time artist, and then a year later have a sellout show was a real fast trajectory, and it was a little overwhelming. I mean, it was stressful because I thought, how am I supposed to live up to this? Right? Yeah, it was like, yeah. oh my god, wow. this success is kind of unbelievable. What am I supposed to do with it? And so I had a little bit of a dip where I thought, <laughs> you know, can I really do this? But I was saying that then the next 15 years, I was a full-time artist and, you know, traveled around the country and did shows in a lot of different places and became the representative artist for several different nonprofit organizations and really was having this really fantastic artist life where I was meeting fascinating, interesting people and going places that I never imagined being and doing a lot of commission work. So creating artwork that never would have crossed my mind. And at the same time, I got to work with you and this process of your unfolding and the, you know, graphic recording and the change management stuff. And so learned a lot in that. So fast forward to being a full-time artist, we were living in Seattle and moved into the Magnolia neighborhood, which is a nice affluent neighborhood that has a little village. And my partner, husband owns a little shop there. And I thought, well, you know, I should probably connect with the business community because sometimes being an artist can be a solitary experience, right? It's a lot of time sitting at the easel. And if you're at all extroverted, that can become a really challenging (laughs) life. And so I thought I need to connect with the community and got engaged with the Chamber of Commerce there. And the Chamber of Commerce there was kind of a mess, I'm not kind of a mess. It was really a mess. It was really a mess. (laughs) It was really a mess. And I thought, I think I know a few things that might be able to help them move forward. And so I stepped in and, you know, within just a short amount of time, became president of that Chamber of Commerce. And I have to say that really a lot of the work that I was able to do with you allowed me to say to these folks, you know, let's get some clarity in what we're doing here, right? Let's, you have a mission, but you're not really living into it. And so let's really revisit that and start to line up with who we're supposed to be in the world. And so, you know, made some changes there, which meant basically a whole turnover in their board. And Oh, yeah, it was was tricky. It was was a tricky time. It was a tricky time, but I, you know, usually I'm so diplomatic and level-headed, and there were a couple of times where I lost it with them. I'm like, "You are like 14 year old kids." Hey, you know, I was yelling at them. Oh my gosh! But, you know, it's kind of what needed to happen because yeah. they were just stuck in a rut. And so, anyway, now we live in Bellingham, and because I had that experience in Seattle when we came to Bellingham, the little village that we live in is a neighborhood within Bellingham. And it's called Fairhaven. Yeah. Fairhaven. And it's a historic district. It's really sweet. And it's had this community slash business association in existence since the mid 70s. So it's been around for a long time. And it was a completely volunteer organization. Yeah. And, you know, saying that those volunteers were able to do some really fantastic things over the years, like they really preserved the historic character They created some wonderful events and some programs. However, there was a lot of dysfunction in 
in what was happening because the volunteers, they'd turn to their friends and they, they'd say, hey, I want to put a statue in the village green. And their friends would say, hey, yeah, let's do it. And then they would do it. And then they'd go to the board and say, hey, we need $45,000. Right? <laughs> to put that say, statue up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the board would say, OK, great. And they'd kind of rubber stamp it. But there was no accountability or no. No plan. No plan. and No right alignment with everything else that was happening. So every time somebody got a little whim to do something, they would do it. And that caused a lot of rifts in the relationships of the folks that were doing things. You know, it's like this recycled volunteer group that just went through. People would get upset. They'd get their feelings hurt. You know, and yeah, and like so, every volunteer organization, yeah. you know, you're like a piece of coal when you go in and you're a diamond when you come out because or you're kicked out or one or the other out. before you're a diamond. Yeah. And so there was this poor group of volunteers that really had been active since the 80s. You know, it's only a handful, like half a dozen of them. And they would, like you said, they'd spit people out. They'd use them, spit them out and became really, really dysfunctional. And so yeah. we show up and of course. And you set up Current and Furbish. That's Furbish. That's yeah. You have that beautiful little shop there in Fairhaven. Everybody should go see there because it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great little shop in a great little village. And you know, I thought maybe I just should be done with this community work because it takes a lot of energy to do that working with people and all the different personalities. But they came to me and they said, "Hey, what do you want to do with us?" Because they had read an article about me (laughs) coming into Fairhaven. (laughs) And so it didn't take long for me to realize that there was a lot of potential here. It, was, yeah, it wasn't yeah. quite as messed up as the Magnolia Chamber had been. And I saw that there was great potential here. And I also recognized there were some really easy things that could kind of fix what was going on. And that yeah. was, you know, one of the things was in their volunteer organization, they never did any kind of acknowledgement, private or public. For their volunteers, there was. Oh never, my God! Any, Are you they didn't kidding? Send out thank you notes. Oh they my God! <laughs> really said thank you. They didn't have an wow. end of year celebration, wow. and I wow. thought, you know, that one thing would yeah. make a huge difference. Yeah, At people will come time, back if you appreciate yeah. them. That's what it's all about. That's exactly wow. what it's about, and and you know, even just the folks that show up and want to volunteer for one thing, it's important to acknowledge them, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, um, definitely. And even the people that say, oh, no, no, I don't need any thanks. Do not thank me publicly. Find a way to, to thank them. them. Yeah, but uh, what I love about that is you acknowledge that they have their own way of liking to do that because everybody's different. So some people, right. it's mortifying and frightening for them to be acknowledged publicly. So if you can find a way to do it, that gives them the spotlight in their own way. That's right. You know, and I think it's even as easy as, Say you're in a group, we have monthly meetings, right? And so make sure, like, let's say John is over there. John doesn't ever want to be publicly thanked or appreciated, right? Make sure that whoever you're talking to, you say, hey, I just want you to know that John did most of the work so that John overhears it, right? And yeah. then it's this thing where it's this private, he gets it, you know yeah. that he's getting it and hearing yeah. it, and that yeah. will carry him. That yeah. will carry yeah. him to the next bit of whatever he's doing with us. Yeah. So anyway, we come in over... You know, the first few years we were here, I had heard several times, we really have wanted an executive director for a long time, but yeah. we just haven't done anything about it. And I thought, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, is this the universe telling me this yeah, is yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. How many yeah. times do you have to hear it? So, yes, that's right. And so finally, cool. I just yeah, I went to the board and I said, okay, it feels like I'm supposed to throw my hat in and help this organization by creating this position. And yeah. 
uh, that's what I did. So that's why I really say I'm the accidental executive director. I never intended in doing community work. I thought I was going to be a full-time artist and live this kind of yes. you know, exciting life traveling yeah. and yeah. doing all that stuff. And I still get Fantastic. to do a little bit of that. But. Yeah, that's Fantastic. So, all right, now you really run Fairhaven, but you're still like a full-time artist, right? So how do you balance yeah. all your time of all the things that you're doing, Scott? Because you have a million things on your plate. How do you organize yourself? It's a lot. This kind of counteracts the artist lifestyle and mindset is that I'm very disciplined. So I know that Thursdays are my studio day. Like I have tell everyone, I put on my email, you know, the message that says, hey, I'm in the studio today. I'm not going to take your calls. I'm not going to answer your texts. And so I just really am clear that at least Thursdays, I know I have a full day of being in the studio. Then there are other days where I'm a little more flexible about it. But it's just, and then when I'm working for the association, I'm just really clear, like these are the days I'm available or the association, but it really is that discipline that makes it happen. Otherwise, I don't know how I could do it. Yeah, it really is a lot. I mean, yeah, I, lot. I think when you have multiple things going on, it's important to you have to schedule everything. And you know, people think, oh, you've got the, you know, you work for yourself, and so right. <laughs> you have lots of free time. <laughs> and yeah, that free time is filled up with a lot of things that are the behind the scenes part. So, and yeah. you have really finessed that over time, so that you're continuing to show your work. It's really well received. You and you've built Fairhaven into this consistent community engagement. Engagement, which is awesome. Now you've got like a draw your future picture behind yeah. you, Scott. Isn't What's that? that? <laughs> Did you do that for your, your organization for Fairhaven? Yeah, for Fairhaven. So three years ago, when I first started the process, we created a strategic plan because they hadn't had one. We revisited the mission statement and then created that plan. And so in that three years, we really accomplished everything we had set for. And so this process now is what do the next three to five years look like? So since we've accomplished this, yeah, let's look forward. And, you know, this is a fantastic process. It works I know. and it's, people it's, love it. Yeah, it's a little gap analysis. And then you're drawing real time and you're writing yeah. words. And you can see his is it's very messy back there. So yeah. if you think to yourself, oh, I can't draw and I can't do that. Well, look, it's messy. That's yeah. the way we want it to be, because you'll call out the things that are most important. And I just want to, for those of you listening, Scott Ward really is has been the behind the scenes studio artist for me for so many years. So these companies that I work with, I often will go in and I'll do a rough illustration of their vision. But then I bring it home and I have Scott finesse it in the studio because I'm not a trained fine artist. You heard him say he was trained, but the the stuff is incredible. But I wanted to share this one experience that we had doing a mural for the Seattle Space Needle because I thought this was... So Scott, tell us a little bit about what happened when we went in. I got a commission to do a mural and the interior for the employees, right? So we ran some focus groups and then we were going to do this. Now I knew I wasn't a muralist. So I immediately hired Scott to come in. I like wrote him right in the contract so that I would have someone who actually knew how to do what I said I could do, right? And so tell everybody what happened. Well, we had a lot of things happen. You mean, are you talking about meeting five seconds of summer as they ran past us? <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> but, you know, it was a good process because we met with all the different department heads and got their input into what this image should be. And 
it really was. How long was that wall? It was, it like, was 40 feet. Yeah, 40 feet long. And, and it was just the top half of the wall. So it was just long, long, skinny. Four feet high yeah. and 40 feet long <laughs> right? was the mural and, that we did. Yeah. And they wanted to kind of basically tell the whole story, the Seattle Center and yeah. the Space Needle. And, you know, it was taking all of those ideas and putting it into this image. And it really was like an elaborate map that you would do in, you know, a brainstorming session. It was great. I mean, I loved it. And, <laughs> and we had a little, a couple of snafus in that, though. So, so okay. So when you do a mural, like you pencil out the whole thing and just want to say that it didn't totally match the drawing. I was in charge of moving the projector. So that was a, one of the things that Scott was able to fix. However, we go in to start to we buy a thousand dollars worth of these paint Paints. pens uh no paint what were we we've got pens. we started with the we were going to use copet markers yeah. so we went in i had tested it on the paint already so i knew it would work and we go in on that day to do it and the first pen stroke that we do it pulls the paint off onto the pen Yep. So if we spent a thousand dollar on markers, <laughs> we were going to spend five or six thousand dollars to do the whole thing. So I go to Scott. Oh no! What do we do? And of course, Scott knew the answer. He like, let's go get some paint pens we and ran paint. To the art store. Yeah. So we ran to the art store and then we painted that whole thing together, which was so much fun. My favorite was what was the uh, little misspelling or the typo. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the bus. It was on the bus. I can't remember yeah. what it said, but it was a. I missed a letter. I did all the lettering, right? So I had missed a letter in it, but it made did. sense. It made sense what I had written, but it was a funny in joke. But they made us change it. Yeah. I can't remember. I wish I had that here so we could show it. I'll have to look at it. Yeah. Drop in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you prefer to, you did the, that large format with me, but you spend many hours and days, you use some repeat images in your illustrations. What do they mean and why do you use the same images? Tell me a little bit and give us some insight into your artwork. Yeah, you know, I think like most of us, we have reoccurring themes just in our life in general, right? And yeah. I think for me, I grew up in Minnesota in a Catholic German family. And, you know, all those things are very restricted, right? And so are restrictive. And especially as a gay man, it was really restrictive or as a little gay boy. And so I think yeah. I often paint about feeling trapped or wanting greater freedom. So, you know, I did a series of images based around cages, birds in cages, and the birds kind of represent the soul, the cages, the situations I find myself in. And then there's I do a lot about home and feeling, wanting to feel a place of uh, home and, you know, connection. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of that. And I use a lot of green because green represents growth and life to me and wanting to really grow into fully who I am. So it's a lot about freedom and belonging and Growth. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then you had a whole red ball series, which was really yeah. cool, really so wow. playful and fun. And all of his artwork has been described as very whimsical and it's really beautiful. It's just incredible. So um, kudos to you for all that sitting at that easel all that mm -hmm. time. But now tell us, I want to know like what, and I bet you other people want to know what's your day look like 
like give us a run of show for the whole day for you. So we know like, how do you stay focused and in yourself and how do you, you know, complete your day? What kinds of things at the end? You know, like you, I have a little routine that sets me up for the day. So the first thing I do in the morning is with my little pot of coffee, I sit and I write. I journal every morning. I have journaled every morning for the last, I'm going to say, 35 years, 30 years. Yeah. And in that, there is this great centering that happens. It, it allows me to, you know, kind of get the menial, pretty stuff out and really focus on what's important. And I can't imagine what my life would be without doing that every single day. And in that is also this sense of meditation and contemplation that sets me up in a really kind of peaceful and calm way for the day. Then I do some kind of exercise. I run about four to five days a week and we live. And about enough. five miles, right? Yeah, five to something miles. To miles. Like five, you're, four to you're six crazy. Miles. Yeah, yeah. He's a crazy runner. Uh, you know, <laughs> I've tried running with him. I just want to say, <laughs> no, I can't I don't do really that like often. running. I don't like running. I mean, I like being done running and a good run is when I don't realize I'm running. Right. Like, yeah. like when the ideation part of me takes place <laughs> and I forget I'm running, that's a good run. <laughs> but, oh my but, God. but it's important because there is also something really valuable in putting your body into a rhythmic mode that brings up the clarity and ideas. So problem solving and creative processing all takes place in that in movement. Um, physical activity. That's right. And that, that takes place in walking too, especially when you walk alone. If you're walking with somebody, you have the tendency to have uh, a conversation with them. Right? Yeah. So, which is something different. And so, <laughs> then yourself talking to yourself right. in your head or <laughs> exactly. out loud sometimes. Yeah. I yeah, sometimes myself out loud. talking out loud. I'm like, don't talk out loud. It's yeah. uh, no, not appropriate. Yeah. And we live close enough to the village. It's a mile. And so we walk. And that walk also is a really important thing as far as just staying centered. And so then my day, who knows what the rest of the day is going to be like. With the Fairhaven Association, I sit in a ton of meetings. Like I, you know, it's not unusual for me to have five or six meetings in a day. And, you know, that gets to be a long day. So taking breaks in between, getting outside, moving a little bit is important. Getting coffee. Getting coffee. Yes, exactly chocolate. <laughs> Those are all, really all the key things. <laughs> yeah. And then on my studio days, I really just am so focused on being an artist that it really is basically closing the door to my studio, being in there, drawing out new images, or I do a lot of commission work now, like most of what I do is commission work. And so really that process is connecting with the client and getting their thoughts on what they're looking for. And then, you know, it's all about the creative process on that day. And it really is staying focused on being an artist and wearing my painted clothes and not caring what I look like or, you know, being seen or any of that. So, but every day is kind of different. And that's what you get when you're working with, you know, all kinds of different people and creating all sorts of different programs and events. And, you know, there's something kind of exciting about that. I, I don't know if I could live a life where every day was the same, right? It just yeah. wouldn't be stimulating for me or at all fulfilling. I just think there's something really exciting in the uncertainty of what the day is going to bring. 
Well, and also too, I mean, yours is a life of service. Since I met you, you've always been serving someone, you know, in the community or you served in your church, you served in all these different ways. And so say a little bit about why you think service is important or why is it important to you? You know, I recognized early on, well, in my 20s, that wasn't that way. I was pretty self-serving. And part of it was this sense of survival, just yeah. wanting to know how I was going to make it through this life because I didn't have clarity in really what I was supposed to be doing. And once I realized, oh, yes, this is what I'm called Well, you to were going to be a priest. I mean, that's what's true. Priest. That's part of your yeah. story is you were going to be a priest. And then yeah. when they found out you were gay, that was it. You had to make a choice. Yep. Yeah, they, so that was... they rejected me. I mean, they out and out rejected me. Yeah. And so that was a huge thing because for me, I felt like, you know, I really am called to this spiritual unfoldment. Yes. And to have that kind of thrown back at me was really difficult. I thought, really, I had this understanding that I was supposed to be making a difference, not in just my life, but in other people's lives. And so it took me a while to bounce back from that. It was one of the best things that ever happened because it really made me clarify what my role was supposed to be. And being yeah. a priest now, when I look back, I think I would have been miserable. <laughs> yes, I was going to say that was a good choice. Definitely. Because <laughs> How rigid about... would that have been? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah there's, there's some things about being a priest that I just don't know that I could have handled. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, just this idea of I want to leave a legacy. And I think when people become parents, I think that's an easy sense of, oh, yes, I'm leaving something behind in the world that will yes. make a difference, right? That's right. And I don't have kids. Yep. I won't ever have kids at this right. point. And, and I just thought, what can I leave in the world that will make a difference? Yes, I have my art. And my mission with my art is to create inspired and inspiring, and uplifting images, right? And so, yes, I'll leave that. But I also want to feel like I'm leaving my little corner of the world better than the way I found it. And I think, you know, we say I live in service, but there's a sense of selfishness about living a life of service, right? It is about feeling good about what I'm doing in the world. And, and though that's not ultimately the goal, it is kind of a byproduct of doing good in the world and lifting others up in the world, right? There, there is some satisfaction in that, and that yeah, can't be denied. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it really is about me wanting to just leave a positive imprint. Well, also, you know, you're very good about knowing, like you really have a sense of knowingness about what you like or dislike. And this I admire in you because I'm not sometimes not as clear in some areas around this. So I would default to Scott when I was choosing certain things. What do you think of that? But you have a really clear sense. So when you're in a situation where you feel challenged and you need to make a decision, what do you do to help yourself understand what the right thing is to do? I think it's different every time, right? If it involves somebody else and there is some maybe misalignment in what's supposed to happen, I yeah. always remember that the other people or person involved has a whole story that has brought them to their perspective, right? Yeah. And so to honor that at the same time, you know, I have a whole story that's brought me to my perspective. <laughs> and yeah. You know, is there something that can happen that honors both of those stories, right? That's always the place I go to. There's got to be anything's possible, right? So 
is there this solution? Is there this way forward that gives a nod to both or all sides of what's happening? So that's one way. If it's just me trying to figure out what's going on, it really is going for an extra run or spending an extra page writing or going for a walk. It really is putting myself back out into this place of, okay, let's kind of ruminate. I also say, you know, before I go to bed, before I fall asleep, I will say to myself, let's find some clarity about this tonight, right? In the middle of the night, let's bring it into our dreams. Let's bring it into our sleep and let it kind of figure itself out without my getting in the way. Yeah. Right. And so all those things are kind of me trying to get myself out of the way because we can be our own worst enemy. Yeah. You know, we have an opinion about what should happen. We have a, you know, we're always trying to make ourselves look good. Our ego gets in there. And then instead of trying to see it from a distance field, like I sometimes will put it on a playing field because like a chessboard and I can see all the players in the field and then understand what their position is within that chess game. Yeah. And then help us move closer to alignment so that eventually checkmate and one of us wins. I mean, yeah. not in yeah. that sense, but, you know, there's a solution that's better than both of us. I, that's fantastic. I, I actually, um, as an artist, like, you know, I see people as different colors and shapes. Right. And so, you know, I can say, oh, yeah, that color and that shape will work next to this one. But this one here really needs to be moved over to the other side of the painting. Right. And so I kind of see it that way because I'm so visual that it just is kind of, for me, creating community as an image. And yes, there's care that has to be done in that because it's not just saying, hey, you don't get along with those folks. It's like, really, it's putting into this place of you would work really well over here. You'd be so valuable over here. We need you over here. Right. And never, ever put them put down. Him outside of the picture right. you're out and you're not in the frame no, yeah that's exactly well, right they're still i in the love picture. that yeah. what a fantastic but what a fantastic way of envisioning that especially when we talk about community or you're thinking about teams or you're thinking about whoever it is family you know yeah. they all belong in the painting somewhere that's right now when you think about your future and you envision your future what's your big thing that you see happening for you? What's the one thing that you think, oh, this would be so cool. Like if this thing happened, you know, (laughs) that's what I do sometimes. This thing happened. If this thing happened, it's interesting because I really love my life. Like I love my life. It'd be, I actually think it'd be greater if we lived closer to each other. Yeah, fantastic. Me too. (laughs) We change that. (laughs) Um, But you know, there's, I think I don't really have any lofty goals anymore. I think it really is just to continue living and growing in a sense of integrity, like really being authentic. I remember growing up and my parents were young when they had me, like just basically out of high school. And I think they were still kids, right? When I yeah. was even yeah. six years old, they were in their mid-20s. And so I remember watching my dad and he still had his high school friends. And when he hang out with them, he was one person. When he was at home with my mom, he was another person. When he was with us, he was another person. When my, he was with my grandparents, he was a completely different person, right? And I just watched how he kind of morphed into these different areas. And I, I realized even then that I wanted to be who I was wherever I was. It didn't yeah. matter who I was yeah. with. I wanted to be me. And so I've worked really hard to do that. And I wanted to continue to be able to do that. I still find myself, you know, being maybe a little defensive or, you know, hold back or whatever. But I, I just want to be fully me 
wherever I am. And so I think that is kind of a lofty goal, but it's been an ongoing lofty goal. Yeah, I think, and it's not always easy, I think. Right. You know, a lot of things push push everybody, you know, our buttons, and then suddenly we're back in an old frame of mind where we are seeing things from a very black and white perspective, and we're not embracing, and we're not, you know, open to whatever's happening. And I just want to say, you're honestly incredible. I just, I, as a friend, as a artist, as everything that I've seen that you've done, I just have so much love and admiration for you that I feel fortunate that I got into your schedule to get you on the podcast. So thank you so much for that. But tell the listeners, if you would, like, you know, this is all about making change. Like we need to learn how to pivot easily and be flexible to it. So what would you say to somebody who's listening, you know, who needs to make a change and isn't quite sure how to do it or wants to become an artist, isn't sure how to step out? What would you say to them to help them bring more of their authenticity to the world? Yeah. First, I want to say that change is inevitable, right? You can sit yeah. there and say you don't want to change, fight against <laughs> it. But think something's going to force you to change. And it's going to be more painful than if you had made that choice yourself. Yeah. And then the other aspect of it is you have nothing to lose by trying, right? Just try. And so if you're not going to do anything, you're not going to get anywhere. You can sit and imagine things are going to happen. But without action, nothing's going to happen. My suggestion always for folks that say, hey, I, I really do want to be an artist. I say, every day, put yourself out there. And it can be the smallest thing. It's send an email to a gallery or to an agent and just ask for feedback or you know, find out what the process is. But every day, one small thing. It could even be looking up another artist and seeing what their yeah. art was like or yeah. talking to an artist and just finding out what they did or what their day is like. But every single day, just do one small thing. And eventually, you'll start to find things that resonate with who you are as an artist. And doors will start to open. It may not be what you think it's going to be. In fact, I can guarantee you, it's not ever going to be what you think it's going to be. But you have to be open to that. And trust. Trust is a huge thing. And you and I have talked about this many, many times over the years. Because we knew each other when none of what we are now was in existence or even what we had dreamed about. And so, you know, we, in the process, both recognize that once you put yourself into that, that journey that you have to trust, you're going to be taken care of. And you and I are living examples that that is true, that once you trust that everything you need is going to be there, it will be there. And, And, And that if it doesn't look the way you think it's going to, uh, just keep going because yeah. something better is on the other side because right. we can't vision from our current reality. So right. we have no idea what the future is really like. So if you can get way out there, like I always say, put the most outrageous things on your map, the yeah. most incredible things, because believe it or not, those are the things that you're going to be sitting there 10 years later saying, I don't know how that happened, but it did. Look, I put it on that map. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think because I know you, I give you a lot of credit for the life I have because it's been that, that idea that don't be afraid to, you know, have, and it was called the, the BHAG, right? The big hairy audacious goal, <laughs> right? Don't be afraid of that. Put it out there yeah. because if you don't ever put it out there, you're never going to get there. You have to be able to do that there. And, you know, this also reflects or goes back to what it's like to work with people and a group of people is there are no bad ideas. 
right? Every idea has validity. Anything is possible. And once you step into that, and the other aspect of it is, yes, set those goals, but you have to take a step. There has yeah. to be action behind it. You can't just put the goal out there and then anticipate. Or yeah, and sit in the just... chair watching TV at home. You know, it's right. just not going to happen. You've got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's right. You can do that drawing. You can put that goal out there. You can dream about it, but you have to start walking toward it. And, yeah. you know, like we both have said, you start walking, but then the road's going to turn left when you thought it was supposed to turn right. <laughs> well, take go left because that's going to be a more beautiful road than the right would have been. Ever. Yeah, that you ever imagined. That's It'll right. turn into something you never even imagined. So, yep. oh my gosh, Scott, this was so incredible. I got kind of all uh, moved by Me too. just the I conversation. It's just so, I love you too. And it's just... So great to have you here. I can't wait to have you back. And we'll have to do some kind of annual thing um, and we'll just see where it goes. But for everybody that's listening, I encourage you to follow scottwardart.com. You know, go there and see what he's doing. If you're in Fairhaven, go to Current and Furbish. Say hi to Cameron, his partner, and also find Scott because where Scott is, a lot of incredible things happen and there will always be art and there will always be play and there will always be fun and probably Probably wine too. I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe beer, beer or wine. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I love you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here You're today. And so for everybody that's listening, you know, the drill, if you like the show, you know, forward it to your friends or, you know, write Scott an email at Scott at scottwardart.com. Just acknowledge him. And then in the way that he acknowledges others and just go out today and you know what to do. Just if you can up your creative genius. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to DM me on Instagram your feedback or takeaways from today's episode on Up Your Creative Genius. Then join me next week for more Rocket Fuel. Remember, you are the superstar of your universe and the world needs what you have to bring. So get busy, get out, and up your creative genius. And no matter where you are in the universe, here's some big love from yours truly, Patty Dobrovolsky, and the Up Your Creative Genius podcast. That's a wrap. 